Hello, everybody. And if you couldn't tell by what I'm sure by now I've lovingly edited into our intro music, we are joining ourselves today for a wonderful, very special episode of Back to Basics. Yay! Hooray! I am the uh, special limited Christmas edition version of Pastor Don, and joining me is our lovely co-host, Christmas Tree, with accompanying Courtney. <laughs> yes. Hello. <laughs> See, she went ahead and got herself in the best possible setting for today's video. I, however, am still in the same place that I'm always in when we're recording these. So, you know, a bright daylight office at the church. So, sorry, I'm not quite as festive as it could be, but I do my best. So, today, we've decided to bring you guys something new, something different, something fun, fresh, and funky. And at least, at the very least, get ourselves out of the Old Testament for a minute. And since it's Christmas, we decided we would turn our eyes upon Jesus, so to speak, and start looking at that little baby guy who just came about just now. So we got ourselves Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Get ourselves out of the Hebrew and into the Greek a little bit. That's ought to be fun, right? I mean, I'm just reading English translations, so you're the one with all the language insights. Eh. I think so. I, although, that, although saying that, that makes me want to get a hold of a copy of the Bible in Spanish. Ooh, that could be fun. Spanish traces itself more directly back to Latin linguistically, which has somewhat closer ties, but has some interesting changes in and of itself. Um, well, now I definitely I have to I have to like go to the library and check out a Spanish Bible or something. Or you know, just stay on the website that we're reading all of our scripture readings from anyway, and just tab it to Spanish. Yeah, uh, so let's make a point in this video, if not in all of them, to go ahead and put a link to the free Bible website that we're using because there should be no uh, barriers whatsoever I between people being able to at least uh, read their holy book. Yeah, I typically include the scripture links uh, every week, but I will make okay. it down there anyway. Um, and I'll, I'll even Bible gateway for anyone who does who like me doesn't feel like looking. Yeah, Bible <laughs> gateway is on the TV or is on the podcast. You yeah. know, whatever. You mentioned this way back in I think episode one, but I'll go ahead and mention it again here if you're just jumping in on a very special episode. Uh, tools of the trade for this podcast, my own theological research, and I think general good practice. Bible gateway is where I just do my general quick lookups for English. Uh, or if I need uh, anything in one of the more standardized uh, international translations. Uh, fun side note, the most common Japanese translation, uh, Shinkoroyaku, I believe, is not actually on Bible Gateway, so you got to look a bit for that one. Um, because they tend, to, they tend to default to the ones used by most evangelical groups rather than the uh, outside of English anyway. So um, the one that's used by most Protestant churches in Japan isn't actually in there. Um, so a little fun fact. Other than that, I also tend to use a website called Blue Letter Bible for a lot of my uh, source language lookups. You got to have a bit of language knowledge to know how to make that one work. So if you are new to uh, foreign languages in general or biblical languages, that one may be putting you in a bit over your head. But if you've got a general grasp of like how languages work, you know what an interlinear and a forward and interlinear and reverse interlinear are. You can probably get some good use out of that. I, I, I make reference to them from time to time. And in fact, <laughs> if you really want to go back in time and look at the first crack we had at the Back to Basics series, which was me with a different co-host, which was uh, was it earlier this year or even last year? Uh, we actually I think it was last a, year. Yeah, I think it was last year. We spent a lot of time on Blue Letter Bible specifically ripping apart the language. So if that's more your thing, go back and check that one out. Uh, but deep detailed language studies aren't everybody's cup of tea so that one didn't last very long it's it's like any it's like any crafter skill i feel like the more advanced you get at it you're going to require tools that would be useless to someone new at it exactly so, so with that in mind bible gateway um since i've been talking quite a bit here courtney would you like to be our scripture reader for today yeah new testament i ought to be able to read right right i say that <laughs> we, we skipped the genealogy which we will i'm sure discuss at some point uh if not like 5,000 episodes of the future when we finally get here proper. Um, but from here, I don't think there's any funny names or anything. It's pretty much just straightforward, um, you know, kind of a Charlie Brown's Christmas sort of thing. So we are going to skip the genealogy here because it's yeah, rather important. The genealogy is important, but we could do a whole separate video on that because there's so much in there. And for those of you who are wondering, you know what, I'll even include links to this in the description anyway. My wife, who is also a fabulous preacher in her own right, has done a two-part series on the genealogy at her church. 
and uh, yeah, link to that. Yeah, I'm going to link to that. And honestly, there's nothing I can say. Can that you she give us 30 can... seconds on why it's important? Basically, the short of it is, if you look at the genealogy, I'm not going to read the whole verse. It's basically verses one through 17. It basically places Jesus in the context of all the historical screw ups and powerful women. So like the whole point of the genealogy is that he comes from the line of David. But the line of David, which is referenced in verse 6b, says, and David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, which is literally putting Jesus in the context of David, in the context of that time he creeped on a chick and then murdered her husband. Um, so, like, there's a lot of context. the picture of human imperfection that, exactly. you know, led to Jesus. But we also get references to women in the genealogy, which wasn't common. Um, and no. the women they're referencing are particularly strong women like uh, Rahab and Ruth, uh, who are strongly referenced in the genealogy as well. There's a lot of toss-off names in there, even some that don't pop up in the OT. But yeah. the ones, the women that are mentioned there are specifically to highlight the righteous women. And the men that are given specific focus are really there to highlight their unrighteousness. So there is a push and pull that is contrary to the expectation that people were having, which is strong Jesus from strong King David, not what freaking happened, not even in the slightest. And that's in the passage that we all tend to skip past because we're like, begat, 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 screw that. Um, yeah, don't skip that one. Go back and take a look at it. That's a, that is a good one. Again, I'll link my wife's sermons down below. Really go back and take a look at them. Great sermons. I am sorely tempted now to poke you about this. So you're, what you're saying is this, this genealogy is about how all the screw-ups in this line come with a Y chromosome. I, I, I Ask am, him about uh, Jesus and the Y chromosome sometime. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's a fun conversation. We'll have it sometime. Um, Can we please just have that one of those like viewer discretion advised? We need like a whole new series. It's just stuff that it's like, don't click this unless you're ready to like get really muddy. <laughs> yeah, unless unless you're ready to discuss Jesus, sexual presentation, sexual identity and stuff like that, chromosomal issues and things like that, intersex condition. Like there's a lot to be had about Jesus and sexual identity that comes from the birth uh, theology. I'm not going to say the birth narrative because a lot of what we say about Jesus is built from later theology and not necessarily from the scripture itself. Uh, we'll get to that. But um, yeah, sex identity, Jesus, and the patriarchy. Tune in sometime because we have to make this episode. We could do an entire class like about that. But anyway, let's get back to the actual scripture we need to get at, which is... We're having fun and we're talking one. about the Bible. That's better than you do at most churches. I'm sorry. Hey, I, I kind of think it's an important book. Not going to lie. Um, Ideally, if you're going to do the whole Christian thing, you should probably at least give it a passing glance periodically. You know, kind of like looking at a roadmap while you're driving to make sure you're not like in a field blowing down cows or nothing. Um, you know, so yeah, let's, let's, let's read the book. <laughs> chapter one, starting from verse 18 out to the end, which is verse 25. Dear Courtney, if you'd be so kind. Starting with 18 through 25, you said? Correct. I'm lost. Here we go. A long genealogy, the birth of Jesus the Messiah. Oh, this is super short. Now, the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to divorce her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had given birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. All right. Well, we've got the thing. We do. First impressions. 
Uh, we've definitely got some stuff that happened here. Yes. Um, it's there. Are, there are things, is what I'm saying. Um, you know what? Before we even dive into that, this is a good opportunity for me to talk about my favorite wildly unnecessary biblical fact. Um, it has no we need bearing a graphic for this wildly unnecessary biblical facts with Don. If you're encouraging me to put in a segment header and everything with with a fun musical sting, I might just do that. <laughs> That's me. Anyway, you put this on YouTube. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, my favorite wildly unnecessary biblical fact. It doesn't change how we understand how Jesus worked and whatnot, but I'm going to roll back to it and ask you, do you know, and I'm guessing you do because I'm sure I've told you this story before, do you know where the name Jesus comes from? Oh, you're going to talk about how Jesus Christ means oily Josh. I am. It's one of my favorites. I was just I, driving the other day and my brain starts thinking about oily Josh. <laughs> <laughs> so quick language lesson i'm a devotee of oily josh i shall tell people quick language <laughs> lesson for those of you who, who don't know my long-running joke uh for those who, who are a joke it's true and i mean it's true it's it's funny but it's true for those of you unfamiliar with hebrew and aramaic jesus's original name he didn't pop out of yusef and maria as um or it was yusef and miriam those were their actual names he didn't pop out of Miriam and take a look at Yusuf and say, hi, I'm Jesus. Like, despite what... That was Yeshua, right? Yeah, Yeshua bin Sadath was his actual name, literally Jesus of Nazareth, also known as Yeshua Mashiach, which literally is Jesus Messiah. Now, those two words have a very interesting linguistic journey to where we get Jesus Christ. Mashiach became Christos, uh, Christus in Greek and Latin, respectively, and then became Christ in English. Uh, and Jesus is the Greek of Yeshua. So Yeshua became Jesus. Jesus became Jesus in Greek, uh, or Iesu in, or in, in Latin being the word I'm looking for. Yesu in Latin, or, or Jesus, depending on pronunciation or region, uh, which then became Jesus in English. Now, the fun fact is the fact that Yeshua uh, is a Hebrew name that still exists because Hebrew still exists or exists again. It's a zombie language, go figure. Um, well, a resurrected language, we'll go that far. Um, How appropriate. Yeah, exactly, appropriate because of the guy we're talking about. Um, but anyway, Yeshua in English doesn't mean Jesus, it means Joshua, literally Josh. Yeah. So Josh, the son of Christ, or Josh, the son of God is accurate. Now, Back to that word Meshiacha, which literally means Messiah. Uh, we translate it as that Messiah and Christ also come from the same word uh, because, you know, that's how stuff works. And Meshiacha literally doesn't mean like savior. It means one who has been anointed as with oil. So it's not out of the ordinary linguistically to refer to Jesus the Messiah as oily Josh. That's my fun fact for the day. It makes me smile. Oily Josh makes me smile too. Yeah, that, that's literally my whole religion and occupation is built on the fact that Oily Josh makes me smile. Oh, and Oily Josh tells us how to treat each other. And that, that, honestly, I, I was trying to explain. <laughs> Some people are going to be like, oh, she's three. You've waited till now. No, I waited for, for the time to feel right and for the spirit to move me. Thank you kindly. But there we go. There we go talking to my my kid about about jesus for like really meaningfully for the first time at a live nativity um and my the words that came to me to tell her were that he came here to show us how to live and to save us from ourselves that's a good simple way to put it i don't know just sorry that that live nativity was one of the most like profound christian religious experiences i've had in a long time i was just like oh that sounds neat and then i'm just like getting choked up and stuff what have you done to me you've, you've drugged me back into the church you know i, I don't I, I don't seem to mind <laughs> i wouldn't be here if i didn't think there was something to all this because um, it's a church that doesn't mind who i am anymore i'm sorry I, this is supposed to be about jesus and i'm making it about me and that's not that's not godly but the love that Jesus has for you is the whole damn point. 
Anywho, let's actually rip this verse apart now. You ready? No, it's, see, yeah, this is why we had to start with the Old Testament is because I'm going to get defensive of the New Testament. I'm like, no, this is yeah. our actual, this is our, where our real foundation is live. Like, yeah, but, you know, the just Gospels like, especially. Yeah, but the Gospels deserve to be interrogated, perhaps yes, even more do. deeply than the Old Testament does, because the Old Testament. I, if you, feel if you feel too defensive of something in general in life, I think it's probably something you need to interrogate. Ooh, trust me, I have some experience with that. Um, but yeah, no, like there's the, some shadow the, work for you. There's the witchy bit of me talking. <laughs> Do your shadow that, work. Sit with that, that, sit that ain't witchy. That's stuff. mental health. You'll find a lot of overlap between modern, like witchy, quote unquote, stuff and like psychological, mental health, well-being stuff. There's a lot there. Fun fact, you'll find a lot of overlap between good Christian theological practice and mental health wellness as well. <laughs> like if you're I'm looking forward right. to finding that because I don't know where that is. Uh, yeah, more New Testament, a lot of, a lot of good Jesus stuff in there. Uh, so it might be, with our primary series, it might be a good 5,000. You just described the New Testament as a lot of good Jesus stuff in there. And forgive the air quotes happening too much today. <laughs> I talk with my hands and I'm not leaning on something so you get to see it. <laughs> Don's used to seeing me talk like this in person. Yeah, and and in fairness, you're used to hearing me talk like this about the Bible. You still shock me occasionally. <laughs> Content but warning: if, if by now you haven't realized we're being irreverent about this stuff, wow! Uh, welcome to the program. Well, yeah, we might have new viewers with this because this is a piece of New Testament. I, there's yeah. people going to be interested in Matthew that don't care about Genesis, you know? So, you know, welcome to the party. We're irreverent. We're going to be making jokes about that. Uh, and we will actually, like, talk about the verse. Like, yeah. Now. Yeah, <laughs> that is what we're going to be doing now. This is a very special episode, but we are still getting into it. And all of these things are important. They're worth talking about. So, anyway, verse itself. Jesus, the Messiah, the birth of which took place in this way. First impressions, what do you think? Um, just basic introduction of, you know, this is this is how it happened. And hopefully we're not doing a Rashomon except for spoilers. If you've read all of the gospels, you know we're doing a Rashomon, so. We've been doing a Rashomon for 4,000 years, come on. All right, so why? Is there something deeper I should be taking from that? There's a lot of things that are, are deeply going on in here. Um, then preach. <laughs> <laughs> excuse me um so i think it's it's uh uh interesting um that this particular birth narrative uh unlike the one in luke which is very mary oriented um the entirety of matthew's birth narrative is in the context of joseph so we don't get a lot of joseph in the uh the new testament at all especially not in the birth narrative so it is interesting at least that matthew does this in the context of joseph now before we get too heavy into the this is matthew being patriarchal crap i do want to return to what we talked about earlier where like matthew did just use the genealogy to specifically kind of tell off all the powerful men and highlight powerful women so i don't think that's his game here well, and it does proceed to go on and say, hey, here's here's a powerful man thinking he's doing God's will. Uh, well, the woman is actually doing what she's supposed to. <laughs> like, which I yeah. feel like is being pointed out with some of the specific choices. Yeah. <laughs> well, there are choices made isn't right, but the, pe the people referenced. Yeah, there are a lot of levels to this. And I, look, I'm the first one to jump on misguided patriarchal assholy men in the Bible doing misguided patriarchal assholy things. There's a lot of them. That's something that hasn't changed in two plus thousand years. Um, but, Joseph seemed like he was trying though, man. Yeah, and that's a, that's it's the thing trying. I really, you know, hashtag not all men, you, I guess, but can like- Can you explain what he's doing here? Because I, here's the thing, you should be expecting me to ask about it, but it's something I know I've heard about in sermons when I was a kid. And so like, I have like, sort of like one third understanding of it you where know, my questions are going to be awkward and just just know, tell us why is he talking about divorcing her i'll get into it first off like joseph you know listening to the angel and deciding not to divorce mary is often kind of categorized as a like a piece of mercy like oh casting her out would have been terrible for her and the kid and so you know keeping them in the family was the better choice 
there's that component to it, sure. But in order to understand the tr the true reality of what's happening here, we got to go back and understand what marriage was in that time and place. Like we're used to the idea of engagement and marriage being engagement is here, have a piece of jewelry, maybe stick with me for a couple hundred years until medical science figures out how to make life last that long. Um, you know, but in those times, marriage was a much more complex legal arrangement between a, a male would-be head of household and the family of a woman who was effectively selling her off. Yeah. Um, even in those, less so now than in the time of our good buddy Abraham, who regularly sold even his most prized wife. Um, <laughs> for more about our opinions on Abraham, see every video we've been doing for the last like six weeks. <laughs> I needed I, I, I needed a, a break from Abraham. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so the idea of wives as property effectively in a legal sense isn't new and it still persists to this time period in, in Hebrew history. Um, and that's that's also interacted by the Greek society that's interacting with them right now, the Greek and the Roman societies that are interacting. Also kind of see wives as ranging from second class citizens to basically the fanciest of the slaves. Um, so the idea of a marriage in this time and place isn't a romantic arrangement or a familial arrangement as the way we would understand it today. It's a contract. It's, it's contractual, it's legal, uh, and it's complicated. It's an arrangement between uh, our good buddy Joe and the family of Mary. Now, when it comes well, these, out- These sorts of contracts and obligations were important historically for how society held itself together. Yeah. You know, like we didn't have time for a whole lot of romantic crap. <laughs> and that stuff would get on behind the scenes anyway, like yeah. historically. So and nowadays we have governmental and legal frameworks to hold all of that stuff together. But most of them were not really extant at that time. So what was holding it together was social constructs and stuff around marriage and family units and things like that, which aren't as much of a thing today. I mean, they still are, but not in the way they were back then. So what's going on here between Joe and Mary's family is a legal arrangement. And Mary being suddenly and inexplicably pregnant from the perspective of Joseph, that's a violation of a pretty heavy legal contract. I feel like a lot of loving uh, fiancés would leave you at that point, like now, too. Right. right. Like, you got pregnant from God. Yeah. You but couldn't even come up with a good lie. Yeah. Let, let, let's take let's do the unchristian thing and take god out of the picture for a minute um yeah. from the well, from that's just understanding things from a very human perspective exactly from where joseph is sitting a contract has been violated now at this point it's clear that the marriage contract or the engagement contract as it were is been broken now joseph then has two options he can do what literally would be his right in this case, which is I have received a legal wrong from you and your family. Let's take this to court. All right, you guys have got, you owe me for this. Like you put me out rather severely. Like someone, someone comes to you and cheats you out of a whole bunch of money or deceives you or destroys your property or something like that. You take them to court. Like you, you don't like relish the thought of doing that. You're not like, I get to sue somebody, but like, <clears throat> Yeah, there are civil and social penalties if you screw somebody over. Uh, that's how it always has been. So in this time and place, the normal thing for Joseph to do would be to say, all right, let me get a lawyer. Effectively We're gonna have, sue her family. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to, like, like, I have invested time and effort in my future and my reputation in this uh, arrangement here, and you've kind of crapped on that, so you need to make me whole for what you have taken from me. Um, that would be the normal and expected process. So already Joseph is like, you know, it's fine. Just go. Like he's the, the, the whole plan to dismiss her quietly is already in the context of the time, a merciful act. Like he's not saying he's trying to be, a, he's trying to be an actual like big man about it. And like, yeah, no, um, you know, I don't need to do this. I'm not going to do this. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's trying to be the better man about it. Um, now he wouldn't even think at this point because he knows this is not his kid. Like, yes. yeah, they like, make that pretty clear. Yeah. Like, so at this point, 
the idea of continuing the relationship isn't even on the radar because it's not like this is some woman who I'm deeply affectionate for and in love with and our, our love will persist despite what's no like that this was a legal arrangement that was broken here like they may not and this is interesting they may not have met yet like that's possible. yeah it says they weren't living together yet <clears throat> yeah so like because of the way that Lee's legal Would you take a massive societal nosedive by marrying her even though she was pregnant now we're getting to where it's interesting is him deciding not to dismiss her at all that carries with a very different social connotation now it seems as though he's suggesting uh yeah she's pregnant uh, i kind of know about that Ooh, I'm, i i i have, a, I have some skin in this game too literally speaking um yeah like basically claiming the child is his then from officially unofficially if nothing else it's an admission of guilt and that turns the whole game on its head because all of a sudden he's saying yeah the contract's broken and she's been defiled i did it <laughs> couldn't her family come after him for that at that point yeah, probably at least in some way or shape like Jeez, if nothing else poor joseph <laughs> throwing himself on the bomb like. grossly oversimplify it he tried it before he bite it. Only he didn't. He's just saying, yeah, that's on me. Yeah. Because an angel was like, mm -hmm. nah, bro. No, bro, you got to keep her. Um, and which, Here's why. Now, it's worth knowing, and we're going to talk about this as this goes on, that like in order to progress from engaged to married, like everybody has to be on board with it. That's a family contract. That's not a one-to-one. So him simply saying, okay, I'll, I will keep taking her. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that Mary's family was on board with that. Like, especially if he refused to dismiss her and is kind of like officially, unofficially taking responsibility for this, they may have pulled out of the process, which could have created all other social messes going on. Do we have any record on like, did her family know? Did they, and did they believe her? And no, like, there ain't nothing to that. Like, at this point, we are extrapolating. Um, let's let's be clear. Like we are extrapolating from social and cultural norms at the time. Um, the specific life of Mary and Joseph of Nazareth outside of the Bible, there is very, very little to suggest that they even existed. Like the biblical record is the one that has been maintained over the years for obvious reasons. Uh, yeah. Other records have not been that out of the way. Like, well, it makes sense. Why would the general record care too much about who specifically uh, one set of parents was of like, uh, you know, surprisingly <laughs> less obscure than we expected yeah. profit out of out of uh, Nazareth. Yeah. Like even, even the genealogical records and the, even the census itself, because Luke mentions that this is in the context of a Roman census um, when they go to Bethlehem. So like that's like we know that census existed but we don't have all of the records of it like we don't have a hard drive containing the full roman census from zero bc like that's not a thing so yeah like this is it we don't have a whole lot much more than this so we're relying on our knowledge of social and cultural customs at the time to kind of come up with a most likely course of what probably happened now what is interesting to me as a parent, and I'm sure it'll be interesting to you and to all of our dear listeners slash viewers slash readers, I guess, who, uh, I don't know, anybody who's on the program who's also a parent will probably have an interest to in this, is that we often see in ourselves uh, echoes of what our kids are going to do a hell of a lot better. Um, and like, I can turn around and look back to my parents and see echoes in them of the things that I was going to do bigger and better, or at least differently. Um, like my, my father and mother are very pious people, for example. Um, and I've turned that into ministry. Like that aspect has grown in me to be a different thing. I'm sure you can look at your parents and see things that were from them that have turned into bigger and better things with you. Uh, and with Joseph here, what we are seeing, I absolutely love because whether he's Jesus's biological dad or not, he's his father in a human sense like he takes him and he raises him in all the ways that matter he's his adoptive father which is yeah. a father just a type yeah. of father i don't really need to we don't really need to make that distinction um no. 
And in this, in this moment, we see Joseph paying the price for a sin he did not commit so that greater goodness can come into the world. It's a small thing. It's a small thing. It's not, wow, that's amazing. It's not, you know, up on the cross in the way that his son would. No, but he was hanging himself out to dry in a way that he was in no way expected to, like he had to yeah. go out on a limb socially yeah. to and, and this to is be even be able to put his neck out this far. Yeah. He had to pay the price for the sin of violating a marriage uh, contract, which was a sin he did not commit. Like he had to pay the price for sins that were not his in order to see that the goodness of God would come about, which is literally what Jesus would do some 30 some odd years later in a much yeah. bigger and more dramatic way. And so we see in the parent echoes of the child even here, which is to me a magnificent thing. That's really, really cool. Yeah. It's tiny. Like, again, it is not, this is, this is the prototype version of, you know, this, this is beta version, and then Jesus is going to go ahead and put this into, into launch, or maybe alpha version. Like, this is really proto-Jesus stuff here, but it's there. The seeds are there of what's going to grow into the cross. Uh, and I, I, I love seeing it. And I think that's why Matthew places all of the birth narrative in the context of Joseph, is because we need to see that. Like, we need to know where that comes from. And we don't get much more of Joseph beyond here. Um, like this is his contribution is, is being sacrificial to the process in a way that only he could. And he had to make that choice himself too, yeah. which also ties into the Jesus story. You know, exactly. you had to make that call. You're, you have to make the call yourself. Yeah. No one's going to make you. Mm -hmm. And as we go on, like, we could look at the, the the narrative in Luke that tells us more about the census and going to Bethlehem and all, and all of that. Uh, and uh, we talked about this in our, our Bible study with First Reformed Church this morning, where we were looking at some of these passages. Um, when we look at Luke, they're going to Bethlehem and they're still engaged, like right up until the birth. Like there's no mention of them being husband and wife. They are still enlisted as engaged. And in fact, to the best of my knowledge, there is no real mention of them being actually married. Like there's no transitional moment which is established at this point, now they are married. Um, and so that- Wouldn't something the, like that at the time result in Jesus being a massive outcast from society rather than just a regular Joe though? Well, there's, there's a lot of different ways it could have gone. Um, but what I find interesting is as someone, because I'm married to a, to a person from a different country. So I've had to wrestle with the, the social and legal aspects of getting married in ways that are not typical for someone within your national bounds. Now that's, that's a pretty broad net. I'm not creating a direct comparison here, but from my own experience getting married to my wife, like we had to cludge some stuff. Like my wife and I wound up having two marriages in the same country, two wedding ceremonies. Uh, the first one happening strictly because, yeah, we're about to lose residential status here and you're going to get kicked out of the country. So we don't have time to wait until the actual wedding we plan. So we're going to have another one now um, because we got to make the government happy. Yeah. Um, so we had to go through all of that. And I look at kind of Jesus and Mary, or well, Jesus. In, I remember in that. I'd forgotten all about that. I know, right? Like <laughs> You were was, already married for a few months at, yeah. at your wedding. I, and you're one of the people who was at both of those. So like, thanks for that. Uh, but anyway, so we see uh, Joseph and Mary on their way to Bethlehem. And as I mentioned earlier, like the simple fact that Joseph agreed to continue to take her as his wife doesn't necessarily mean that Mary's family would still be on board. And I tend to assume that they wouldn't necessarily. Because if he took this, as, if they took that as Joseph saying, yeah, I, <laughs> I totally did it, then they might want to pull out of that. Be like, yeah, we don't yeah. want to connect our family to yours anymore. But Mary and Joseph, because they've both been spoken to by God at this point, like, no, we're staying together, no matter what our families think. So we see them going to Bethlehem for the census, as, as the Gospel of Luke tells us. I kind of wonder, and again, not attested to in the text, we're simply extrapolating at this point. But no, I think I know where you're going with this. I kind of wonder if they weren't going to Bethlehem to register as husband and wife under the Roman census. So that they had legal married married status that way. 
that's not where I thought you were going. I thought you were basically being like, they were leaving town anyway, because both of their families told them to leave. Well, they were leaving town, but going to the city of David, where his family's from, like they yeah true leaving town in a very broad sense they were going from nazareth where they all lived to bethlehem where they're all from which the fact that they couldn't find room tells you that they weren't super popular with the family of david at that point um and mary's family ain't from there so they're not around my guess is they're like they had to go to get registered so my guess is they were going to bethlehem to register as husband and wife um so that like the roman government which is kind of like the federal government at that point they're the ones who are overseeing everything would have them down as married and so that like the local are you suggesting mary and joseph had a courtroom marriage i don't know like we don't know how that worked out (laughs) that's a fascinating concept leading up to their departure to egypt we don't have a record of them being married they're treated as husband and wife when they come back uh to nazareth so either they did they kind of clutched it with the romans in bethlehem or they got married when they were in egypt and then just came back and like, yeah, we're totally married. And everyone's like, yeah, it's cool. You're immigrants. You have your own ways. Like one or the other, they clearly did not get married in the usual way. So like, I always love to come back to this because- Jesus' parents didn't have a religious ceremony. Pass it on <laughs> right? to your parents who are giving you hassle about how you're going to get you know, married. Mary and Joe were not married in a traditional church wedding. I'll tell you what. Um, But like, there is so much in the birth story in and around Jesus's birth that mimics broken and unusual family relationships. It mimics uh, what we would call today unconventional relationships. Uh, There's immigration aspects. There's like the both of them being kicked out of their families and then having to find their own way in the world. Like, I'm not going to make a direct parallel here, but like I've known many LGBTQIA couples that experience this way better than most straight couples I know. Um, Like there are so many parallels here to the broken and the lost communities in our society that don't track with what we would otherwise call conventional relationships. Uh, And that is intentional. Like, let me be very clear about that. Placing Jesus, by God, placing Jesus in this context is intentional. This is who Jesus first comes to. Like, you know, we talk about not in, like Jesus wasn't put in the halls of princes or the wealthy and stuff like that, which is true. Like, Jesus didn't come to folk with money, but it's more than that. Jesus didn't come to people who had traditional relationships, to people who were cradled by the conventional love of society. Like, He went to people who got their asses kicked by society, who were told, you're not good enough, you're not right, you don't belong, get out. And I think that is, you want to talk about the message of the season, that's where it is, right there. You suck, we hate you, get out, enter Jesus. That's it. That's the, that's it. That's the tweet. Um, since you went ahead and pivoted to social media references, I'm, I'm reminded in talking about this of one of my favorite images that goes around every Christmas now of the like teenage uh, oh, yeah, that one. Latino uh, Mary and Joseph couple with all the imagery, the, the donkey, the three kings, like three kings motel or whatever. And just like, um, it just has like a vibration to it that makes me think about the real Mary and Joseph and what they must have been going through. Mm-hmm. Like, because I mean, you can talk about how profound it is in, in words, but thinking and feeling how they must have felt. I mean, imagine being put in that position. Yeah. Imagine being put in either of their positions. Imagine and, you were kicked out by your highly religious family because they didn't like some of your sexuality issues that are going on with you in your relationship and realizing that God is with you and not with them in that space. Again, caveat, like you said, there's some there's some uh, inference and extrapolation going on here. We don't know for sure that they were like kicked out by their families, but we do know that they were doing something that was not typically uh, looked well on in society yeah. because I should, I should clarify too that there is a difference between 
general extrapolation and what you might call a safe assumption. Like there is enough about this situation that we know categorically was the way people were treated in X contexts that we can say, like we can't say 100% for certain because we don't have like as, a, as listed archaeological record, but it is by and large a safe assumption that if not one, definitely both families told them to kick rocks. Like in as much as we can say that like, we know what was expected of Joseph when he found out that she was pregnant. We know what was expected of their families. And none of the rest of them had an angel yeah. sitting on their shoulder, whispering in their ear saying, yo, don't do that. Like, Mary and Joe. Don't worry, it's all good. It's all good. God did it. Yeah. Like, it's just Mary and Joe who had that. So we can assume, and I think reasonably, that the rest of their family was like, nope. Just nope. Because that's exactly what would be expected. So, um, a little bit of Occam's razor applies here. Like the simplest explanation is, yeah, their family told them to get lost, both of them, because that's exactly what would happen. Um, yeah. And we have no evidence. There would have been some other out of the ordinary story that would have had to lead to anything else. And that yeah. seems like it would have been in here. Yeah. Like, and you know, we have the no... angel of the Lord came to the family of Mary and said, you know, yeah. your your daughter is is without blame. And, da -da -da -da. Right. and we have no which might have been nice, but <laughs> we have no particularized evidence to suggest that either family retained a relationship with him beyond that point. I say no particularized evidence because we do still have the relationship between Mary and Martha, uh, which comes a little bit earlier uh, in Luke. And I, 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 that is worth mentioning. Martha being for listeners who aren't as well versed on the Bible. I'm getting there. Okay. <laughs> Martha is uh, who Mary goes to visit just after she finds out she's pregnant. Uh, she's the text lists her simply as a relative. Tradition lists her as a cousin. Um, uh, it connects Mary to the line of the priests and thereby also to the tribe of David. Uh, so that, you know, Jesus still has a backhand connection either way. Um, but it's worth noting that a Mary goes to visit Martha just after she finds out she's pregnant. And it may not be common knowledge at that point. And mm -hmm. B, Martha is much older than Mary. And so I kind of, yeah. again, extrapolation, I kind of get the impression that uh, Martha is kind of like a mentoring funny aunt who she goes to visit. Like, well, if I recall, Martha's got some surprises in her immediate future then too. Yeah, she kind of had a Sarah, <laughs> she kind of had a Sarah moment there where she's like, hey, I'm old, but guess what? You know, so that's all happening. And, you know, their babies would be totally besties, you know, what with the water and the splishy splashy and the baptism um so that that's all later but like that is the only familial connection that is ever discussed in this period of time well and, and i can say personally as someone who has been uh shunted aside by large portions of their family there's still a lot of times like a person or two who you just mm -hmm. you talk to and it's not like they're mm -hmm. not like that that they're still on your team like mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I'll be honest, like, you know, even as a conventionally married cishet straight dude, I still have been excised from large portions of my family. Um, I, I got one uncle who goes around calling me a false prophet. Go figure on that one. Right. Like, oh, no, I can completely see it. Just it's a matter. It, it, <laughs> don't take that the wrong way. No, I'm just saying like. Yeah. I've, I've been, I too have been to, you know, more traditional church for a large portion of my life. And I feel like you you would get like the old pew church ladies like red face mm -hmm. screaming yeah so i'm i'm red sure who will call you a false girls. prophet that oh, means somebody, you're doing your please job. think of the children yeah. yeah like the one who was born that's who we talking about yo the one who was born to free us from ourselves and tell yeah. us to love each other unconditionally all the time the way yeah. god loves you because he does do, do grumble live with me say about that you know, <laughs> it's I a lot of really good ideas in the Bible if you actually read the text. So I think we've had a lot to say about this passage. Uh, but before we wind up with a two-hour-long episode, is there anything else you wanted to dig into? I thought we were going to read a lot more than this too, but uh, yeah. we got we got a little bit carried away. I got all excited about a very special episode, yeah, and it's a good one. Like there's a lot to talk about. I was just 
I'm getting burnt out on Genesis, man. I want, I want to keep at this. I want to keep at this, but I'm glad to have a break occasionally. We were no word yet, but we were talking about maybe starting to insert a little new Testament here, there, here and there uh, to keep everyone sane. <laughs> this action is when we're talking about inserting, but you know, we just got off of talking about Abraham. Come on. Oh my. Oh my. Sorry, it's 2022. <laughs> I'm like super late with that reference. <laughs> I'm sorry. Takei is eternal. <laughs> It's okay to be decay. Yeah. Although in fairness to my daughter, who is absolutely a Star Trek fan along with me, if you're going to make a decay reference, the current one is the horsey's going to bite you now. And if you have not seen that episode of Lower Decks, I strongly recommend you go watch it. things about Lower Decks, but this is, this is wildly off topic hilarious. now. Hilarious. Lower Decks is worth it. And if someday somebody were to refer to our... Uh, quaint humble little series as the lower decks of the bible i would be happy with that <laughs> because we swear constantly make terrible jokes and are still on generally on topic anywho um i think this is as far as we go with this passage but yeah keep your eyes peeled i think we may try to slide a little matthew on in there um in the in the coming uh weeks and months um don't make that, Not that way <laughs> don't make that face you started gesturing i'm just carrying along your slide matthew on in there <laughs> you know maybe we'll we'll get a little matthew on the books here in the in the next couple months here yeah i also i also think we need to start working a little bit more on, you guys are getting a bit of, bit of uh table talk as it were here but uh uh, I think we really need to start doing some side projects. We've got some ideas, listeners yeah. and watchers. We've got some really great ideas, as I mentioned about uh, <laughs> Jesus and the this the fantastic tale of Jesus and the Y chromosome, which we totally need to need to have have an entire episode just about that. But After if you've got any wildly irreverent and but relevant things to talk about with the Bible, feel free to hit us up in the comments about it, or hop on Discord and tell us there. Absolutely. At the risk of spoiling things that are that are planned, we have a new series that we'll be that we're planning on for January. I'm not going to announce it yet, but it's it's already on the books and undergoing pre-production. Um, but also, in addition to that, is what she was talking about. We're going to start drumming up a bunch of, let's call them very special episodes on particular topics, um, such as uh, the hilarity of Oily Josh, and um, you know why. Uh, Jesus and sexual issues is something you should discuss. And basic Christian sexual ethics is something we should definitely talk about because, oh my God, particularly evangelicals, looking at you, everybody leading a megachurch, we need to talk about that one. Um, like there's a lot of things we need to talk about that aren't specific to a scripture passage. And so we're going to be doing more on that. So if you are still following this very special episode and you want to get involved with that, get in the comments, get on the Discord server, let us know we want you in front of a camera, not just behind one. We need a Patreon for our wilder ventures that should in no way be connected to any sort of church donations. Like, yeah. I, I, I want, I want to, I want to go fund me to uh, make a cannon to fire co uh, copies of Song of Songs at, at people who think sex is a sin. What you... I mean, you could do that with just a t-shirt and then a little bit of ingenuity. <laughs> yeah, you probably could. <laughs> Wrap it up in a t-shirt that's an advertisement for the podcast. There you go. Yeah, those are... <laughs> and we that, don't really uh, take donations anyway. We're not... We're and we, not... Got, we got to wrap it up. We got to wrap that Song of Solomon up in a big poster that says... Like, share, and subscribe. That's the one! I always get her every time. You know it. Uh, and those of you who are watching, please also do that thing. It really helps, especially the sharing. Like if you take a link to this and pass it around them, Facebooks and whatnot, like it actually really helps with our visibility. So if yeah. you could pass it around to your friends and your families, look, we're all going to be sitting down for Christmas with our families, unless we're trapped in a blizzard or something, uh, which may happen to you folks in Michigan. Um, but most of us will be sometime between now and the new year sitting down with friends and family that we definitely want to piss off. Uh, and if that's the case, show them this video, send them this link. Oh, also uh, a slight tangent to the side, but if you, if you want to do, do God's work and piss off your folks, I, I've read that a tremendously quick and effective way to combat uh, people aggressively misgendering your loved ones is to just bring a little air horn and every time they do it, they'll stop pretty quickly. <laughs> 
Yeah, I do that pretty much every time somebody uh, tries to drop some heretical bullcrap on me. God never gives you more than you can handle. I know it's worth it. Ed writes his best stories by giving us things we can't handle. What are you talking about? Have you read the book? Look, I'm not going to take that entire one apart, but like uh, the basic I, breakdown. Is episode, just... though, if you want to hear us talk, okay, like right I'm, again, I'm assuming there's people watching this or listening this time that haven't really kept up with the show, and honestly, I'm just assuming there's people listening this time. <laughs> yeah, someone please listen to this stupid fucking show we're trying here it's fun but i like this anyway it's fun no i i'm it's like i said you know quote unquote witchy shit it's the solstice and i'm recording a bible study podcast i'm fucking trying man but, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah like tell us things that you want to hear about if, if you want to hear like a god i gotta think of a humorous loving way to deride you a nerdy religious bookworm i don't think god would perpetual that guy but hey whatever works and uh like sarcastic hippie chick talk about the bible and swear a lot and again um i had like a leftover beer this time you know there's just just what what do you want to hear this in stupid combination of people talk about and in the interest of drumming up further controversy from all those evangelicals that i know are watching yeah i'm sipping my starbucks as i'm watching it doesn't even have a red cup i know because one there's no demons and two we're not having all those issues with people being vastly underpaid and abused and not having union representation because we're in japan and that's not a thing out here because people are actually fairly paid for the most part uh unless they're foreigners but that's a different story um so yeah i don't have to worry about those ethical aspects as much but anyway i definitely want to piss off evangelicals with my starbucks cup so that being said uh get in on the comments like share and subscribe join us on the discord server uh if you're seeing this today it's probably christmas or thereabouts which means christmas eve has already passed but if you didn't get a chance to get your christmas eve fix this year uh, we just posted a Christmas Eve service, and it's been less than 24 hours. I promise you, it's still good. Um, you know, it'll it'll keep. Uh, you, you stick it's your not computer. an avocado. Yeah, stick your computer in the fridge for a few days. You'll be fine. I promise. <laughs> By the way, I'm a pastor, not tech support, so please don't take my <laughs> word seriously. <laughs> anyway, have you guys a good, blessed, Merry Christmas and a good week, and we will see you all on the next episode of Back to Basics in which we talk about, I don't know, something I haven't even opened Genesis today because we were doing this instead. So have a good week. Bye. Bye.